God had a job for Jonah, but Jonah didn't want it. Go to Nineveh, God said, and tell your worst enemies that I love them. No, said Jonah. Those are bad people doing bad things. Exactly, said God. They have run far away from me, but I can't stop loving them. I will give them a new start. I will forgive them. No, said Jonah. They don't deserve it. I'll run away, Jonah said to himself. Far away. So far away, God won't be able to find me. Then I won't have to do what God says. It's a good plan, he said, because as far as he knew, it was a good plan. But of course it wasn't a good plan at all. It was a silly plan, because you can run away from God, but he will always come and find you. Jonah went ahead with his not very good plan. One ticket... What? He reads. One ticket to not Nineveh. Best line in the whole book. One ticket to not Nineveh, please. <laughs> he said, and boarded a boat sailing in the very opposite, in the very opposite direction of Nineveh. Well, it wasn't long before a fierce wind blew, and the boat started to lurch and pitch and roll, and everyone started turning green. Jonah sat bolt upright in his bed. You see, the first thing that went wrong with Jonah's not very good plan was that God sent a big storm after him. The sailors couldn't sail their ship properly. We're sinking, they screamed and started throwing everything overboard. Suitcases, food, whatever they could find. By now, Jonah knew that the storm was his fault. Throw me in instead, he shouted to the sailors, and the storm will stop. The sailors weren't sure. It's the only way you can be saved, Jonah cried. And so, one, two, three. Splash! No sooner had Jonah hit the water than the waves grew calm. The wind died down and the storm stopped. Just then, when Jonah thought it was all over, when he was sure he was going to drown, God sent a big fish to rescue him. The fish swallowed Jonah whole with one big gulp. Jonah must have thought he died. It was so dark in there like a tomb, but then he smelled the rotting food and felt the slimy seaweed. He knew he wasn't dead. He was in the belly of a fish. Sitting there in the darkness for three whole days, Jonah had plenty of time to think. Pretty soon he realized his plan was, well, a very silly plan indeed. He was sorry for running away. He prayed to God from inside the great fish and asked God to forgive him. After three days, the fish spit Jonah safely out onto a sandy beach. Just then, Jonah heard someone calling his name. Go to Nineveh, God said, and this time Jonah said yes. He went straight to Nineveh and told everyone, God, everyone God's wonderful message. Even though you've run far from God, he can't stop loving you. Jonah told them, run to him so he can forgive you. The people of Nineveh listened to Jonah. They started loving God and learned to do what God said and to stop running away from him just like Jonah. Many years later, God was going to send another messenger with the same wonderful message. Like Jonah, he would spend three days in utter darkness, but this messenger would be God's own son. He would be called the Word because he himself would be God's message, God's message translated into our own language 
everything God wanted to what God wanted to say to the whole world in a person. Amen. Great job. Good. Good. Okay. So uh, that's kind of what happens when they overhear me and uh, Liz talking about, you know, this Sunday's message. But what I want to do first before we jump into Jonah um, is just pray over uh, our children. Uh, the older ones kind of come in here. You've probably noticed some. They're pretty short, though, so maybe you haven't. Um, for like our musical worship time, and then they usually they go back and have their class and all. But the whole, there's a whole other church meeting there right now, uh, and we've got an awesome team, Amber Leeds, and just a really just great way to, to be raising up the children of the faith, right? And if you saw my little cheesy, corny um, 21 Day of Prayer video on, was it Friday, whatever day it was, um, where I read the Matthew 19 from the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it's just, that that's Christ. That's the little children come to me. And so we want to pray over you guys and then send you back there. So let's uh, maybe even just extend a hand in agreement, church, to these children and really that whole direction. Father, you are a the, the only good Father. And in you, we have life and love and protection and guidance and and just just you will call us to follow you and to be like our daddy and we love you and so lord as, as us imperfect fathers as, as we try to do good and sweet things falling short daily we look to you and as we just pray over these children whether in some of us in this room they are ours they're actually the ones you've entrusted to us uh, but for all of us the church you have entrusted them to us and may we love them and lead them. May we set an example of seriousness and soundness of speech and in teaching and in worship, Lord. May they see adults worshiping you, bowing before you, declaring openly that you are God. I am not. I love you. And Father, we pray over these children. They are the present church. They are the church. You welcome them. And they are the future leaders of your church globally and eternally. We love you. Would you bless them? Would you bless their morning as they connect with you and each other? Be with Amber and that team, Lord, as it grows, as they are on the front lines of shepherding the future leaders of the church. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. Awesome. Well, insert joke here about following that and and Elder Campbell, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try. But um, welcome to Redeemer City Church. My name is Carl Messenger. I serve as one of the pastors and, and elders, and it really is a joy um, to do that. And um, and you know I guess batting cleanup, which where's CR? That that's usually a good thing. So we'll just we're gonna just go with that today. Um, and the other guys ahead of us got on base, and we'll try and bring them in. So um, we're wrapping up uh, Jonah. And so now, whether you've been here the last three weeks or you just came in today, you just heard and saw and chuckled through um, the story of Jonah, basically the first three-ish chapters of it. Well, there's a fourth chapter. And so um, as we've been here, there have been all of these We've just seen these conversations. That's why we kind of added that little subtitle, Conversations with God. And as Elder Campbell pointed out, that's, that's the book. We get caught up in the fish and the boat and this and all that stuff. Um, but it starts out with God speaking to Jonah. And then what does Jonah do? One ticket to not Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction, which you don't sail to Nineveh. So there's all sorts of the farthest possible way that he could go. 
Then chapter 2, so God doesn't kill Jonah, um, and then Jonah speaks to God. Amazing. And we're going to briefly talk about that in a second. And then chapter 3, as Mitch pointed out uh, really well last week, is then God speaks through Jonah. And Jonah 3.3, 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. This time he said yes, as, as Josephine just read. And then we get to chapter 4. And um, the real Jonah returns. You know, please stand up, please stand up. And so uh, if you've got your Bibles, you've probably already figured out to turn to Jonah, but go ahead and do that. Um, Jonah, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. Uh, minor prophet, little tiny book. Um, good luck, but you can find it. Get your phone. It's a lot easier. Starts with a J. Jonah chapter 4. And so the real Jonah returns, and it's really not pretty. But why is this in here? Why are any of these real, raw, authentic conversations with God in this book here? Well, hopefully God will reveal that to you. All right, let's just read here in verse 1. Chapter 4, Jonah 4, verse 1. Um, it says, This displeased Jonah terribly, and, and he became very angry. So what's the this, right? So we have it as four chapters, but when Jonah was written, it was just Jonah chapter 1. There were no chapters. So it was just the next line. This is referring to when Jonah finally obeyed the word of the Lord, went to Nineveh. He shares the word of God with them and 120,000 people, pagans, unbelievers, declared faith in God. So this is what he's talking about. And this displeased him terribly. And he became, he became very angry. Now, unpacking this backwards, we can understand that last word, angry. Being angry, anger, we can all relate to that. We've all been angry. Some of you were angry this morning. Some of you are still angry. I can tell. No, I can't tell. But I bet you will be angry. You have been angry. It's a, it's a normal human emotion. Now, they say that anger is a secondary emotion. And I would agree it is a secondary emotion. I would also add to it that it is a primary emotion um, for me. I used to be and I say used to be as if I'm not angry anymore or don't get angry. That would not be true. But I used to be a very angry person. That was like, that was my comfort. I would laugh, have fun, or be angry. There was, there was no other thing. Some of you may relate to that. Some of you are probably like, that's weird. Like, stay away from me. And at times, yes. But that is an area where I try to humble myself and let God more. Because there's always something to be angry about, right? And so, so anger, uh, we can relate to here um, with, with Jonah. And so I can be prone to anger, which, of course, is a very bad quality if you have kids uh, or a wife uh, or friends or any interaction with humans whatsoever. And so being an angry person, file it under bad, under not, don't be like that. Be like Jesus, which we'll get to. And so where I'm going with that, connecting it to Jonah, is, is this. If I'm honest, listen, while in the moment... I feel justified in my anger. Like, you did that, you didn't do this, this happened, this isn't fair, this is wrong. Even sometimes we can kind of make it righteous-ish, at least as far as I can understand it. But the reality is, when we step back, oftentimes, certainly in my life, if not every time, my anger is a whole lot like Jonas. It's really unfounded. It's really selfish. It's really, if I were God, this would be angerable. Not sure that's a word, but, but you understand what I'm saying. And so... My anger is a lot like Jonah's. I mean, look, look, look at how he words this first verse. It, yeah, it's still up there. Right? So it, it's, what's he mad about? 
thousands of people proclaim faith in God, and he's very angry. I mean, like, this is like, like what? Like, we would kill for that. Spir- spiritually speaking, don't kill. Um, you know, what, what is, like, I'm like, dude, what are you angry about? And so, it, but it displeased him. And now, I will say this. Here's what I, want, I do want to throw him this bone. So we're going we're gonna to beat up Jonah a little bit. But, but here's what he does. And he does this all throughout his book. Don't miss this little thing. And don't miss this in your life. In fact, I, I would say it's part of that pray without ceasing from 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that CR mentioned is this. He takes it to God. He's very angry. He's utterly displeased. You've been there. Some of you are there right now. And the worst thing we can do is harbor it, keep it in, have those conversations, justify it, get collusion with other people about how messed up they are or this is. No, this is good. And God's going to meet him as we as he'll meet with us as well. And so look at this. So he does take it to God. We're going to give him that bone, but it's kind of even still what he says is not quite, not quite kosher. So verse 2, he says, it says, He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, this, this, the, the 120,000 people putting, declaring faith in God, this is just what I thought would happen when I was back in my own country. Chapter 1. This is why I tried, this is what I tried to prevent by attempting to escape to Tarshish. Other, one ticket to not Nineveh. Because I knew, I mean, look at this, that you are a gracious and compassionate God. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in mercy. And you are one who relents concerning threatened judgment. So now, Lord, kill me instead, because I would rather die than live. I mean, can you believe this guy? God can't even believe him. Look at verse 4. Look what God says in, in response. The Lord said, are you really so very angry? There's that contemplative response conversation with God. I mean, of all the things to get angry about, this ain't it. But but here's the perspective we have to see. We can see it clearly in Jonah. Can we see it in ourselves? But look at what he said in those few verses. I thought I was. I knew, I knew this would happen. And then even, I mean, this is me, even kill me. Like, you know what, if you're not going to kill those guys, just kill me. I would rather die than live. I, me, my, mine. Again, like, like Kent, Elder, Elder Kent a couple weeks ago. If we're honest, how different is that really from our own hearts, our own perspectives, our own thoughts on any which matter? And so the first blank on your card there, we're going to start out with the big one. You can fill this in, is that we, me, you, we are Jonah. If we're honest, we're really not that different from Jonah. We might as well be stuck in the belly of a huge fish and thrown up on the shore. And we may not like to hear it, but it's easy to study a book like Jonah or any of the other kind of dare I say, screw-ups in the Bible, and see a chasm between Jonah, way over there, running directly away from God. We see a chasm between Jonah and where we are. Not perfect, but I'm not Jonah. The truth of the matter is there is a chasm. A big, big chasm. But it's not between us and Jonah. It's between us and the holy and righteous God. That is the chasm that we are. We, I don't even know is, if it's fair to say we can see across it. I guess so, because we can see like who God is, but we can't get across it. 
We can't build a way. We can't earn a way. We can't sneak a way around the back door. There's no loophole. There's no way to get across that chasm. And because we are Jonah, the same struggles of Jonah, be it our anger, um, our disobedience, um, our judgmentalism, like, God, don't save those people. They're sinners. I'm not that bad. What about me? Um, our defensiveness, we get defensive in these conversations. And then, and then, frankly, there's a lot of offensiveness in there. Whatever it is, our sin has created and caused a great chasm and divide between us and our Creator. The Apostle Paul, um, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, um, he writes in his letter to the, to the Romans, the church in Rome, um, really this is like long gospel, like 101. And so something that's, that we've kind of created known as the Romans row, which is basically a few verses that basically paint the whole picture of who we are, who God is, and, and kind of that relationship there. And so Romans 3.23 says very clearly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You, me, everybody. There's not a single person who has not sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And then three chapters later in Romans, so that's Romans 3.23, in Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin. So what a wage is what we earn. So we've all sinned. You, me, all sinners. Our sin earns, what's the next word? Death. You know it. The wages of our sin is death. That's the law. That's the fact. The law that can't say, the law that condemns, the law that says you have sinned against the holy and righteous God. There is that chasm. But, praise God, and thank you, Paul, 623 doesn't end right there. It says, but the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus. The gift. We talked about this with our silly, silly video the other day of a free gift. We all know, like kids know, the gift, my kids didn't pay for their gifts. I wish they would, but they, they can't, frankly. <laughs> and so they don't. And it's a free gift. And then over um, back in, in, in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us. That while we were still sinners, all of us, Christ died for us. And then what do we do with that? You can, you can kind of put a bow on it in Romans 10, 9. It just says this. What do we do? How do we respond? We kind of can't, but what we can do, the very little we can do is we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. We believe in our hearts that Christ, that God raised Christ from the dead and you are saved. That is the full gospel. That is the gospel. That is the reality of our situation, separated from God, that great chasm. But God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. He died for us. What a good God. And Jonah declares that. He's still struggling with, the, with his own mess of it. But God, I knew you were gracious. I know that you don't want to wipe us out again and just smite us. I know you don't want to. Sometimes I wish you would. But that's the gospel. And Jesus has bridged that chasm because we needed him to, but because he wanted to. This isn't just, oh, this kind of worked out, lucky us. He wanted to. He spared no expense to come for us. And we couldn't get across it ourselves. We needed him to do it. We couldn't do it on our own. Ephesians 2.8 says it is by faith you've been saved, not by our works that no one can boast. Because if you could do it, if I could do it, we would. And so this is a work that God has done. And we are Jonah. Jonah's story is our story. Jonah's life is our life. But, but Jonah's conversations with God can be our conversations with God. Look at verse 5. 
It says, Jonah left the city, left Nineveh. He sat down east of it, kind of up on a hill. He made a shelter for himself there, and he sat down under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. The Lord God appointed a little plant and caused it to grow up over Jonah and be a shade over his head to rescue him from his misery. Now, Jonah was very delighted about the little plant. This is a sweet little moment. I mean, we can just kind of be, you know, good, you know, a good. Thank you, God. Very gracious. Good for Jonah. Like take a chill pill literally with this plant and, and, and just kind of hang there. But, you know, he was delighted. So it's interesting. He was displeased. Very terribly angry. Now he's delighted. OK, like, isn't that just great? We go to God whether it's contemplative prayer, quiet time, time with his the community of believers. And it, it, it's not a word I really use very much, but it's delightful. It's life-giving. It's good, right? And that's kind of what happens here. And so think about what delights you. Think about even where you're at right now coming in here. And some of us, maybe what would be delightful above all else would be very much what, what Jonah kind of needed here, which was just rest and relief. Our life's running at a pace we can't sustain and there's pressures every which way. We can't figure it out and we're just caught in the same, 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 same. Maybe even worse, it's mentally. Kind of the same thing, our mind's racing. Can't control our thoughts. Uh, we, we feel incredible fear as we just kind of sang. We're no longer slaves to that through Christ. And, and our mind is just, is just owning us every single day, all the time. Can't sleep, can't think good and glorious and holy thoughts and it's just attacking you. And then maybe for some of us, it's literally where Joan was at, running in complete disobedience from God. God has a call in your life. God is speaking to you. God, you know what's right, what's not right. You know, oh man, what has been asked of you. And you say one ticket to not that. And you're running directly away from God. Now, God is gracious. He loves you. He's not trying to come down with threatened judgment. But I will say, he'll get your attention one way or another. I, I like to put it this way. He'll get your attention the hard way or the harder way. And so kind of start the hard way and try, and try and do it that way. That's the love of God chasing us. Now look at how the story ends here. Verse 7. This is, God is so good. I mean, he's just, I just, I see Jesus in this text Literally, because this is very similar to the conversation that he would have with his disciples or with other people. Uh, look at this. So, so he's delightful. Everything's delightful. Verse seven. So God sent a worm at dawn the next day and it attacked the little plant that had dried up. When the sun began to shine, God sent a hot east wind. This is Bible for humidity. So those of us in Tampa, we you, you're so, you know, we're on the beach with CR having our cute little sweet time. Now you're on the beach and it's humid and it's not pleasant. OK, it's July. All right. And um, the humidity comes in. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he grew faint. So he despaired of life again and said, I would rather die than live. Look at God. This is God's got a sense of humor. He, he will he will speak to you like this. He says, are you really so very angry about the little plant. And look at Jonah. Tell me you haven't said this before. I am as angry as I could possibly be. I mean, I would have been like, dude, I can't help you. But God can, I guess. 
The Lord said, and this, this is the teaching moment that I just see Jesus in. Look at this. You were upset about this little plant. Something for which you have not worked, nor did you do anything to make it grow. And see the connection to the word to Nineveh here. It grew up overnight and died the next day. Should I not be even more concerned about Nineveh, this enormous city? There are more than 120,000 people in it who do not know the right from the wrong, as well as many animals. And so if our first point is we are Jonah, our second point is that, and it's on your blanks, is that God is God. God is God, and he will do what he does, which is pursue us by all means necessary. This text reveals God's heart. But when our perspective is on self, me, my, mine, what I want, we miss the heart of God. And that's the real concern here. The book of Jonah is a great display of God's character and the principle that God will leave the 99 in search of the one. Or in this case, the one for the 120,000. That is his character. That is how much he loves every single one of us. But more, not that it's more so, additionally, just as much, if not more, everyone else, the Ninevites, the people of Tampa, their worst enemy, whoever that is. In God's great love and care, he's established a true principle of his character that he loves every bit of his creation and that he will go to great lengths, full extent, in order that none be lost. And so, as we put a bow on Jonah, know that you are Jonah, whether you like it or not. God is God and will pursue us. He loves us. He won't just let you go. And so what do we do with that? As we grow in our trust and our love for him and our expression and our faithfulness and and we start putting into action, then number three on your blank is that we become love. We become love. Love. And as love matures, and you don't have to start there. If this is new for you, praise God. Let's just start with loving Him. But as our love matures, we begin to see who, how, and what God sees. We get new eyes. We get a new perspective. We no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed with the renewal of our mind, and we begin to see as God sees. And when we see with mature love, nothing in our life can remain the same. Nothing in our sphere of influence can remain separated or compartmentalized. And so what does it look like? What do we do? We, we look to God in adoration. You see us say uh, or hear us say, I feel like all the time, eventually you'll catch on. The vision is Jesus and we look to him. You know, how, when's the last time you've looked, just looked up to God? And we, as we wrap up the 21 days of prayer and let's keep it going. More days. You know, as we talk about this, this idea of, of prayer, you know, when's the last time you've waited in prayer for God? Like that 30 seconds felt like forever. Well, what if you needed more time? Would you take it? And then have we looked inward for transformation? Like, cool, look to God, holy, righteous, perfect, gracious, loving, slow to anger. And then what does it look like for me? Am I transforming to look more like Christ? Am I, because I'm made to be in His image, am I conforming and transforming 
to be more in His image. And then, as we bear that image, we're reminded that we are to bear that image together. For God Himself has always existed in community. The first page of the Bible is plural. We, us, let us make man in our own image. He's made us in His image to be like Him. Part of being like Him is existing in community. Is that we, we, we adore Him and we are transformed and we do it together. And like that little plant that He caused to, to grow up, He desires for us to grow and mature and have a purpose, even if it's just shading somebody for a little bit. Good shade, not... You young youngster shade, not that. I'm dating myself here. And one way that that we help tee this up, and this is not an end all be all. This is not okay, cool. Let me check this box, and I've arrived. This is like kind of the beginning. But one way that we tee this up is through is by uh, forming and just kind of letting you know about these city groups that we talk about. And not so coincidentally, they start today. And so you should pray. Yes. Thank you. One person. That is not community. I need another. Woo. All right. Yes. And um, there's a couple groups that start tonight. There's one in Seminole Heights. There's one in South Tampa tonight. Tomorrow morning, guys, men, listen, we're talking about 20 days of prayer. We're talking about let's get our week going. Let's stay in continual prayer with God. Men, 6 a.m. Yes, 6 a.m. Right here. We just gather for an hour. We go through the scriptures. We pray. And, I mean, if you're not ready to roll after that, okay, Jonah. So that'll be, that'll be something. And then it's Monday night young adult group. So young adults that didn't get my shade literal example, that's you. And so Monday night in South Tampa, um, there, there's a group starting there and some other cool, exciting things. Said too much. And then uh, Tuesday night, there's a group. The Tuesday night one is in, is in Tampa Heights. You could walk there from here, the Feet House with the Everett's. And then there's a Thursday night group in Seminole Heights, too. And so there's just, that's just a way to tee up some, some ways for you to connect. But that's not an end-all, be-all either. But be in community. Because this, and I want you to write this down. Flourishing and delight. Everybody wants that, right? So flourishing and delight is not about our circumstances. It's about relationships. So flourishing and delight is relational not circumstantial. There's always going to be negative circumstances in your life. There's always going to be negative people. There's always going to be negative examples. There's always going to be negative times in your life that you wish weren't there. Negative outcomes, negative thoughts. But God is faithful. God is gracious. God loves you. And as we become love, Mature love must be poured out. It's not just kept to ourselves under our little shade tree. And, oh, if Jonah just would have been nicer about it. No, if Jonah would have been transformed and gone back into Nineveh and just loved the heck out of those people. I could have said hell there and it actually would have worked. That would have been perfect. But I would never do that. Mature love leads to a poured out life. And a poured out life, it looks like a hundred things. This is not like, you know, some Bible verse that lists these three, but it's in there if you check it. it. Is mature love leads to a poured out life of celebration. Where we celebrate the good. We celebrate what God's doing, what He desires to do, even if it's among our worst enemies. But mature love is not passive. We have to get involved. We don't just sit under our tree in our holy huddle. We get involved. And so that leads to what? Suffering. 
Mature love leads to celebration. We love celebration. Gasparilla, hashtag. But it then leads to suffering. Because if you're really going to love someone, if you're really going to love your enemy, if you're really going to respond to the call of God, then you're going to suffer. And if anybody ever tells you otherwise, you say, peace out. Because that's not the gospel. Because that's not the word of God. That sounds nice. I mean, that would be nice. Mature love is celebration. Let's close in prayer. Amen. But then when you get in, you suffer. It's costly. It's hard. It's lonely at times. But we go together. We're never really alone. And so we celebrate. We suffer. We draw near to what's broken. Like we go to it. We don't run the other way. God's people get involved in our city, um, where we are, in our church, where you go to lunch in a few minutes. We get involved. And we bring God's word and God's love there. And then the third part of, 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 of a life poured out is, is that. I kind of went backwards. It's participation. You get involved. We get involved. Mature love can't be passive. One way that we've opened an avenue for this is tonight at 6.30 p.m. down. The address is 3333 Bayshore Boulevard. But there's a, a church there. It's actually an old, awesome house right on the water called Bayside Community Church. And our friend Zach Elliott and his ministry, V3 Ministries, um, they, are, they have a life and beauty initiative on human trafficking. And we're getting involved. And in fact, we're, we're, we're even Redeemer from your generosity and our Vision Out offering. We're, we're presenting actually two checks to them tonight from you guys, which is super exciting. But that's not why you should come. But you should come to hear and worship and pray about what and how God is calling His people, people who see as God, who are becoming love, who see as God sees, to look in our city. You can't leave like your room without being exposed to the human trafficking and the sex slave industry in our city. No. It's, we're not going to allow that. We're going to get involved. If it's just a hundred of us, awesome. That's a hundred more than there were two minutes ago. And so come, come tonight. Uh, Life and Beauty Initiative down at uh, Bayside Community Church, 3333 Bayshore Boulevard. Mitch and I will be there. We're like leading a prayer or something. I don't know, something cool. Andrew's playing more guitar, so you'll see some familiar faces. It'll be pretty sweet. Here's, this isn't just a Jonah Old Testament thing or, okay, Carl's turning it into this thing. This is the heart of God. Jesus himself said that I have come to seek and save the lost. It is not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And so if you're remotely healthy, keep getting healthier. Okay, keep growing, transforming to be more like Christ. But we turn our eyes to the sick, to the lost. For that is why we're still here. And so here, concerning this pagan city of Nineveh, God is concerned about Nineveh. But he's concerned for Nineveh. Nineveh is not the enemy. Nineveh he loves. The Ninevites he loves. And so, and so for us, I can't help but see the parallels between Nineveh and Tampa. We're about a little over three times their size of population, although back then that's a massive city. That would have been among the largest cities in the whole world. But the parallels are there. I'd venture to guess Tampa's just about as secular as Nineveh was. And so if we are Jonah, we can flip that on its head. Rather than, oh, we're Jonah, we've sinned, we're sinners, we're screwed up, we run away from God. True. But we're Jonah. God has called and sent every single one of us 
to Ninatampa. He's, I mean, there's like three unicorns in here that were born here. Cool. Miraculously, he had you born here. He sent you that way. The rest of us, escaping the frigid, cold, frozen tundras of Michigan and friends, we have come here. But not just for the beaches and Disney and stuff like that. God has sent us here. Just like Jonah. And so if you're going to be Jonah, go to Tampa. For there are more than 400, nearly, I looked it up, nearly 400,000 people there who don't know their right from their wrong. And I love them. And should I not be concerned for them? You're fine if you know me. You're fine if you listen to me and if you have conversation with me and you respond to me. Grow and go together for I love those people. Will you love them with me? Will you go to them and share my word? That's all it is. And love them. Would you do it? Or are we more comfortable under our shade tree? Find your beach. Simply love people and share God's word. How will we respond? I pray we'll respond and we'll go together. I pray we'll get connected in our city groups. One of the really one of my favorite functions of the city group is that together we serve together and we find opportunities to get involved in the city, find opportunities to get involved in the church. Like it's pretty fun to serve in the parking lot with six other guys eating hot dogs. We'll do it. Or breakfast brats, maybe more sausage. Perfect. I'm in. I come in. Next week, Mallory, put me on the schedule. But we go together and we celebrate, we suffer, and we participate. And one way that we, we get set for that is certainly prayer. It's God's Word. It's worship, which can look like any, any sort of interaction response with God. But we remember. We remember why this is His call. We remember why, despite our sin, He loves us. And we remember that Christ came and paid the full penalty for our sin because he wanted to and because we needed him to.